And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Hi, everybody. Football month is upon us, and welcome to another edition of Strong as Steel, the most informative, entertaining, analytical podcast you're going to get anywhere. You can't be ready for the college football season without a couple of things. First of all, of course, Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine for 2017, and uh, now our Strong as Steel podcast where we've taken a look at each and every one We've got two to go of the conferences that comprise the FBS, the Independents, too. And today we focus in on one of the group of five, Conference USA, as we say hi to uh, the very best, the preeminent analyst in the game, Phil Steele. Hey, Phil, football month. We're down three and a half weeks to kick off, man. You starting to get excited? Yeah, it's finally here, Michael. Get to, get to start watching those uh, 12 games all day long on uh, Saturday yeah. and <laughs> And same thing on Sunday, but uh, it's always a lot more fun when the games are being played. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, I think uh, Phil's getting the sense of that, too, from as he continues his conversations with uh, with college coaches as they get their squad set to roll. Phil, we're getting set to roll. And today, as we said, it, it's Conference USA. And now I, I want to add that, and I'd like, Phil, you to uh, certainly let everyone know, you and I, we approach uh, the group of five, whether it's uh, the Mountain West, uh, the AAC, the MAC, Conference USA, or the Sun Belt. We approach this the very same way. We analyze the same way. We evaluate the same way. And I think that's something that's important to know for our listeners in that uh, there's no drop-off in our performance how we approach this. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the other magazines will give you maybe maybe two full pages on Alabama, maybe one. Uh, and then they give you a third of a column on the smaller teams out there. But I give you the same amount of coverage on Florida Atlantic, Florida International, Western Kentucky that I do on Alabama and USC. Two full pages in the magazine. And the beautiful thing about the magazine, all 130 teams are laid out in the exact same format. So it's very easy to use. You know exactly where to look. If you're looking for the, the top rusher for last year, you know where to look. Career passing leader, you know where to look. Score from three years ago. Starting left tackle, you know the exact part of the page. You can close your eyes and point to it. It makes for quick, easy reference. And uh, same amount of information on CUSA as you get on the SEC. And that's the beauty of uh, what uh, what we do with everything that uh, that is uh, Phil Steele. All right, let's get rolling. And as we said, we... Uh, we do the uh, not predicted or projected order of finish. You'll get that in uh, Phil Steele's uh, college football preview magazine. But we take them in alphabetical order as we go through the squads uh, of each and every conference. East Division up today on this Monday, August the 7th. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna, and away we go. Phil, we start uh, with Charlotte, the 49ers. Uh, now, back in 2013, they began playing an FCS schedule. 
They moved to the FBS at 15, and uh, fifth-year head coach Brad Lambert uh, has uh, got things started to percolate a little bit. Last season, they were number two in your experience chart, and you called for them to get out of last place in the East. Uh, I believe you're the only preseason magazine to do so, and uh, you called for three Conference USA wins. They got those right on the money, so good job there. They got four overall. As I said, the talent upgrade, I think we could start to see it, Phil, starting to take place, but they have gone from number two experience-wise all the way down to number 93. I like their junior quarterback, uh, Hassan Clue. He made uh, the final seven starts at 16. 10 to 3 TD interception ratio last year. Phil, can this program again, you know, it's only their third year in the FBS. Do you, do you see them continuing to climb in Conference USA? You know, I think we're going to see this team. This team is definitely more talented this year than they have been. And uh, even despite the fact they have just 12 returning starters and lose some pretty good players. But the amazing thing is, talking to Coach Lambert this summer and going over the team with them. You know, just thinking about it, you go back to 2013, that was their first year. And at the time, you know, a first-year program, never. I mean, you have to go FCS for years and then vault up to the FBS Mm -hmm. finally. And they got the quick uh, thing for CUSA and and had to join the conference immediately. And uh, what's happened is they've got better recruiting classes each year because, you know, it's tough for a first-year startup program to bring in the classes. A lot of those guys that that are gone from that uh, first original team were guys that were not FBS caliber. Now they're bringing in FBS recruits each year. So I think this team continues to get stronger. Now, as far as this year goes, uh, I don't know if we're going to see the improvement over that four-win total for last year because uh, because of two things. The inexperience, as you touched on, they go from one of the most experienced teams in the country to one of the least experienced teams. And then they were minus 71 yards per game in uh, CUSA play last year. Now, Hassan Clue, when he took over as a starter, remember Kevin Olson, the big original Miami of Florida signee, PS number four QB, mm-hmm. started the year, and uh, the, I thought the offense was much better with Clue at QB. He's a hardworking guy, makes a difference. I think he'll be an improved passer this year. Uh, and you look at the running back, they've got Robert Washington from Syracuse. Now, he was a guy that Syracuse, and, and Michael, you and I will be familiar with this. The younger listeners may not, but the number 44 at Syracuse is a valued number. Oh, yeah. uh, Floyd Little and, and players like that, Ward, and they offered that to Robert Washington. And, uh, uh, and you know, Washington opted to come here to Charlotte. So that tells you what kind of player – that Washington is. And you go through the rest of the uh, the team. They've got Ford and Kofa at the receiver spot. They're decent there. The offensive line's got a couple of starters back. Defensively, Carrington King at weak side linebacker. And very good safety. So best position on the defense is safety with Ed Raleigh and Ben DeLuca. Those two guys are both all-conference caliber. But, uh, you know, with the inexperience, with the schedule they have this year, I think it's going to be tough to top four this year. But I see this team on the rise. I think Brad Lambert's doing all the right things. And I think in the near future, they're going to be contending in the CUSA East. Yeah, we look at the schedule and uh, fill it uh, a couple of uh, roadies right away. Uh, Friday night, September 1st, they got to go into Rhinearson Stadium to uh, tangle with uh, Chris Creighton in Eastern Michigan for the MAC. And then they go to Kansas State uh, right after that. So uh, they, we give you the, uh, by the way, we give you the win totals and, uh, like to have, um, some, you to have some, uh, some idea of where Phil and I think they will be. And, uh, we get them from, uh, the gang at the South Point, 
uh, race and sports book. And Phil, uh, for for Charlotte, uh, they are uh, at four. So exactly right on. They went they went four and eight a year ago. Uh, I'll take the first stab at this. I don't know that 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 seems like it. Uh, I think that maybe they could hit four. But Phil, I'm going to lean toward the under on this. Given, as you said, too, the uh, the experience level has fallen off, and they're going to have to play uh, a lot of uh, a lot of younger players. Yeah, and CUSA is upgraded this year. You look at teams like FIU, Marshall, uh, are both teams that had losing records last year that I think will have winning records. Same thing with Florida Atlantic. They have to play Southern Miss, Old Dominion, Western Kentucky, all on the road. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, despite the fact that I think they've got a chance to open up maybe two and two. They've played North Carolina A&T at home. They played Georgia State at home. Uh, I think they'll probably end up being a double-digit dog in maybe uh, seven games this year, an underdog mm-hmm. in probably nine. So I'm going to go with under four. But like I said, I think Brad Lambert's doing a great job. I mean, it's it's tough to start a program from scratch and have them in CUSA winning a couple of CUSA games like they did last year, three of them, in just their fourth year of football. That's a remarkable job. This is one of those where they maybe take a little step back, but uh, I love the the additions that he's bringing in, and I think this is a team on the rise. Yeah, yeah, and, and how about the wins last year, Phil? I mean, uh, road wins. They won at Florida Atlantic, they won at Marshall, and they won at Southern Miss, so I'm with you with regard to uh, the job Coach Lambert is doing. Phil and I both uh, lean toward the under uh, with the Charlotte 49ers. We're underway and rolling as we're doing uh, today on this Monday, August 7th. The East Division of Conference USA as we're just three and a half weeks away from the uh, the kickoff, the start of this college football season. All right, we move on, and uh, let's head down uh, to the state of Florida, where the Florida Atlantic Owls Three consecutive uh, three and nine marks, including a season ending 77 56 loss to Middle Tennessee. And Phil, that ended the run of uh, Coach Partridge, who was, uh, was let go. So in steps Lane Kiffin. Phil, one of the most polarizing head coaching names in college football. He'll create a splash down there in Boca Raton. We know that. Three years with Nick Saban as Bama's offensive coordinator. Let go right before the Clemson National Championship game last year. Phil, this is the most experienced team. Lane Kiffin's no fool, though. The most experienced team in the FBS. 17 return starters. That is 58 Letterman back. He's got his top four rushers back. And uh, that is, uh, that's something that you know Lane Kiffin uh, took a good, strong look at. Um they, as I said, the three strong rushers back, and they got uh, Florida State and uh, JUCO uh, transfer quarterback DeAndre Johnson coming in. Uh, Phil, as we said, just the name Lane Kiffin, this is going to cause a lot of conversation in and of itself, but, you know, uh, you would think that uh, he'll have Florida Atlantic pointing up uh, right away off those three straight, uh, those three straight three-win years, as we said here in 17, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'll be honest. If I'm a, a co- if I'm looking for a coaching job, I want to go into a place where I can take a team that's uh, been lower and raise them higher, and I want to step into a good situation. Lane absolutely did his homework. First of all, he's taken over a, a college in the state of Florida, which is talent rich. And even if you get the scraps left over from Florida State and Florida and all the big schools that come down to Florida, you still have a lot of talent. And these kids don't necessarily want to go play up in the in the cold and snow. So I think he'll be able to keep quite a few of them. And then 
you know, they this is a team that's lost a lot of close games. In 2015, they lost four games by seven points or less. That put them four plays away from having a winning record in 14 or in 15, I should say. And then last year, once again, three net close losses last year. It could easily have been a team that made it to a bowl game. Most experienced team in the country. You talked about the Lettermen that are back. I mean, this team only loses a total of eight Lettermen off of last year's squad, but they've got uh, 96% of their yards back, 81% of their tackles, uh, 82 career starts on the offensive line. So you have a veteran team, one that's been very close, hasn't been far away, one that's got talent, and bringing in a guy like DeAndre Johnson, who is my number 25-rated quarterback out of high school. He's athletic. He's got a very strong arm. He's got a unique ability to make plays. Uh, bringing in an offensive coordinator like Kendall Bryles. I love the job he did at Baylor. And here's a guy that can adapt. Remember the bowl game uh, two years ago when Baylor was without its quarterback, and they just ended, ran the ball for like four or 500 yards in the bowl game, completely different offense. So he can adapt to whatever system. Uh, they've got the uh, good running backs with Singletary and Howell. Uh, I look at the receiving core. Uh, it, maybe it's not Baylor-esque, but, I mean, they've got Kaleeb Woods, DeAndre McNeil. Up front on the offensive line, the top players are Antonio Woods and Reggie Bain. Woods is the center. Bain's at left tackle. Defensively, it, the whole unit's practically back. So it's a great situation for Kiffin. Now, opening up with teams like Navy and then at Wisconsin in the first two games is not ideal. Uh, that means you have to go 6-4 and four down the stretch to get to a bowl. But I think this team's got that capability despite playing Old Dominion, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech all on the road. I think they have a good chance of that. Yeah, and of course, as, uh, as Phil touched on, you, know, you got. I think we're all excited to take a look at uh, DeAndre Johnson for the reasons that uh, Phil discussed. Uh, originally, one of the uh, one of the top twenty five quarterbacks in the country started his career at Florida State. So, uh, Lane Kiffin has got a load of experience, and I think that's reflective. Maybe uh, Phil, uh, we take a look at uh, where their win total is from the uh, the gang at South Point and. Uh, Florida Atlantic is at four, so they're being conservative with them. A football team that, as we said, has had three women stuck on three wins for three years in a row. I, I, even with losses uh, to Navy and Wisconsin, I see them at least getting to four, Phil. I'm going to stretch it one more and go over and say that Kiffin can at least get the five, which means, as you said, having a, uh, having a real good run in, uh, in the, uh, the conference schedule in Conference USA this year. Yeah, I think he's got a good shot of getting to a bowl game. So I'm, I'm clearly going over with FAU. I think all the factors you want to see are there. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they clearly go over four this year. All right, that's the story. We'll both go, uh, and we're, everyone's going to be taking a real close look at the Florida Atlantic Owls this year because, as we said, you know, Lane Kiffin, that's a very polarizing uh, name when it comes to college football coaching. Staying in the state of Florida. In the East Division of Conference USA here on Strong as Steel. Uh, another very familiar name and face, the Panthers of Florida International. Their head coach, Butch Davis, returns. After head coaching stints, of course, uh, at the U with the Miami Hurricanes. Remember, all he did is go 11-1 and and had them number two in the nation back in 2000. Then he took over at uh, also a head coach in North Carolina, and and Phil, uh, we know here he's the only head coach in 17 years since the Cleveland Browns have been back in the NFL to take them to the playoffs. He did that in uh, 2002. He's got a third-year starting QB. 
and Alex Magal. And Magoo. Uh, Le- Magoo leads the number five most experienced squad in the FBS. So, Phil, those, uh, those two Conference USA schools in the state of Florida, as we just said, Florida Atlantic, uh, the, uh, the, the most experienced. Florida International, your fifth most experienced squad. Uh, Butch Davis is all about winning. He has been everywhere he's been. They could be rising. Bowl game a possibility for Butch Davis and uh, Florida International. Yeah, here's another team there. I think the coach steps into a really good situation. Uh, talked to Coach Davis at length uh, over the summer here, and uh, I like what, what they got on the field here. You, you look at quarterback Alex Magoo. Uh, he's a guy that last year didn't have the type of year expected. I mean, Magoo was, uh, you know, in 2015, he had a very good year. Last year, only a 13-11 ratio. Uh, he did only start eight games last year due to injuries, but he uh, Davis is high on him. He says he's got the uh, athletic ability to play, throw, spins the ball extremely well. Uh, you need to work on that decision-making. You can't have a 13-11 ratio. But said he's he's got the possibility if he really emerges this year, uh, he could get up there and and be a, a guy that uh, maybe NFL scouts even start looking at. So I'm I'm high on, on Alex Magoo at QB. I think he rebounds this year. Running back, you know they got Alex Gardner there, a guy that's uh, had 930 yards last year, 780 the year before. Uh, he's got the, the jump cuts. He's explosive. Catches the ball well out of the backfield. He'll be back by Anthony Jones, so they're they're pretty good in that area. They bring in an NC State transfer at tight end and Farrell McKeever. Uh, he came over because uh, not a lot of teams are using the tight ends like that. He actually played defensive end his first two years there. It shows his athleticism, and he's got the size at six six two sixty. I think he makes an impact at the at the tight end spot. Jordan Budwig. Comes in a right guard, probably the top offensive lineman they have. They'll end up using about eight OLs, and they they do have eight guys that can play there. Then you look at the linebacking core, and that's what really jumps out at you at the defense. Travion Williams and Anthony Wint at the linebacker spots inside. Those two guys both have size. They both have plenty of experience. They both fly to the ball. So I, I like that linebacking core that they have. Uh, so overall, this is a, a talented FIU team when it, as you mentioned, has 15 returning starters, ranks up there, number five on my experience chart, and three of my nine sets of power rings do call for them to get to a bowl. All right, so with all that in mind, uh, we take a look at their uh, expected or at least projected win total on the year. And uh, the Panthers of Florida International, and we said that Florida Atlantic uh, really uh, only one up from their three wins. Uh, the projected is four, four and a half, Phil, for Florida uh, International. We take a peek at the schedule, and um, they start in state at, uh, at UCF and then go to Indiana. Uh, as well a couple of weeks later. So a couple of tough road games there. How do you see them with uh, that that number at four and a half, Phil? You know, I have it right around there because when I look at the schedule, I've got an underdog at UCF, at Indiana, at Rice, which I think will be a much improved team this year as well, uh, at Middle Tennessee, at Marshall, at Florida Atlantic, and then home to Western Kentucky. Now the big toss-up games are UTSA, a team that benefited from getting to a bowl last year, Old Dominion, team that benefited from getting to a bowl, and the option offense of Tulane. I've got them favored over Charlotte and Alcorn State. So adding that up, two games favored, three games toss-ups. I'm going to lean with under four and a half, even though I'm, I like what Butch Davis is stepping into. Uh, I, I think that CUSA is, uh, is pretty tough this year. It's a good league, and uh, I'm, I'm going to lean with under four and a half on them. 
All right. Yeah, that that seems to be uh, the probably the prudent way to go. I understand that. I uh, because I'm uh, I like Butch Davis, Butch Davis guy. I uh, and man, because we can bet our root beer on it, Phil. I'm I'm going to say over. I'm going to say he gets find a way to uh, gets his squad to five. So there will be our uh, Phil and I. I'll be rooting for him. He, he will. Okay. All right. I hear you. I hear you. it's going to be a lot of fun, though. We, we've just done, uh, you know, in that state of Florida, Boca Raton. Think about that, how close they are, Phil. Boca Raton with Lane Kiffin and uh, Florida Atlantic and then in Miami with Butch Davis and Florida International. I, I think the college football scene is going to be a lot of fun down around Miami, of course, with the Canes expected, as we, we've touched on in the ACC already, to be so formidable this year. So Miami might be a buzz uh, with college football, which would be good to see. Uh, down in the south part of the Sunshine State. Be a lot of fun. So Phil's going under. I'm going to go over with Florida International, which brings us to uh, you talk about a guy who was on the rise, uh, uh, the head coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd out of Huntington, West Virginia, Doc Holliday. How about double digit wins, Phil, for Doc Holliday and Marshall? Three consecutive years, 13 to 15. Uh, Doc Holliday was, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, you know, he was high on the, uh, the list of many Power Five squads. He decided to stay at Marshall during that time, 33 wins overall. This is from 2013 to 15. Three consecutive bowl wins. And then Phil, all of a sudden, out of the blue, they plummeted uh, down all the way to just a three and nine, two thousand and sixteen. Well, Phil, the defense was really faulty. They gave up thirty-five points a game last year and four hundred and fifty-five yards a game allowed. Phil, that doubled the total from as we said, two thousand fifteen. They gave up seventeen points a game and it jumped all the way up to thirty-five a year ago. So uh, we certainly know that Doc Holliday went to work on uh, his his defense. Junior quarterback uh, Chase Litton, 21 starts over two years. Of course, uh, 23 and 8, his first starting season, 24 and 9 last year. He values the football. They've averaged 31 and 26 points per game. I don't know, Phil. This seems to me like I, I, I'm getting a sense that this might be a Phil Steele most improved list candidate here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you go back to Marshall, and, and you hit it right on the head. They actually doubled the amount of points allowed going from 17.8 to 35.3 last year. They only had three returning starters on defense, and it showed. This year they not only have seven returning starters on defense, but they bring in guys uh, like uh, uh, Yuli at the uh, weak side linebacker, a true freshman, PS24, highly unusual for CUSA. Then Davon Durant, PS number seven, JC. So, I mean, they've got plenty of big-name guys that they're bringing in transfer-wise, plenty of experience. I think their defense is going to get back to what was making them that double-digit win team those previous three years. Now, offensively, uh, you know, Litton had a, had a decent year last year, takes care of the ball well, 24-9 ratio, uh, and I think he'll do do well as a junior quarterback this year. They've got Keon Davis and Tony Pittman at running back. Foster is dangerous at the slot receiver position. 
and the offensive line looks to be pretty solid. So there's a lot of indicators pointing up. My stock market indicator usually goes like four or five as the highest, gives Marshall a plus 8.5 this year. So that's a pretty high level there. There were minus three net upsets last year, numerous Power 5 VHT transfers. Uh, I think they will be one of the most improved teams in the country, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Phil just mentioned Jaquan Uli. Keep an eye on him now. He was he was one of the top recruits with Nick Saban uh, in the nation and didn't qualify. So uh, he lands with Doc Holliday at Marshall. But I mean, it's a uh, Phil a, a very uh, hostile and but uh, very mobile, almost two hundred and fifty pound Mike linebacker. So he's got a shot to really emerge and do some big things defensively. When we look at the schedule, Phil, they start out with uh, Chuck Martin and Miami, Ohio at home on Labor Day weekend. And then they go to NC State. And uh, they've also got a road trip to uh, Cincinnati as well uh, out of conference. So, you know, certainly not uh, not an easy slate. They're going to get tested in, in those football games. Uh, South Point on uh, the Marshall Thundering Herd, Phil, have them at five. Uh, it sounds a little bit low for everything we've pointed out, but but maybe uh, is it uh, is it in the area that it should be? I personally don't think so. I think they're an underrated team. I think there's a lot of indicators that say that this Marshall team is closer to the double-digit win seasons that they had the previous three years. I mean, 33 wins the previous three years right. than the three-win team last year. I think last year is just one of those things where everything that could go wrong went wrong. You look at the Louisville game heading into that. They were thinking, well, we can play with Louisville. And then Chase Litton is a late scratch from the game. He's got scratched Saturday morning from it. They played well in the first quarter and they got blown out. But uh, I'm clearly going over with Marshall. I think that they'll be a much better team this year. Okay, I'm with you. Yep, I uh, I see a back to a bowl game. And, uh, you know, as we said, Phil and I both mentioned the 33 wins from 2013 to 2015. And you know, I mean, uh, listen, uh, this is uh, this is Doc Holliday's eighth year now, starting in the program. And as we said, Phil, he was a he was a hot Power Five head coaching name during that run from thirteen to fifteen. Decided to uh, stay put in Huntington, and uh, you know, a a tremendous football program that had one of those unexpected dips last year. Uh, I'm going to go uh, over there with you. Certainly, back to a bowl game this year. And I think all of us are going to be watching real closely Doc Holliday and his Marshall Thundering Herd. We're going through the East Division of Conference USA right here on uh, Strong as Steel. Uh, this is not our predicted or projected order of finish the way we're taking them, but simply in alphabetical order. If you want that, of course, just uh, turn to the Bible, Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine. And uh, Phil... Uh, slots and projects each and every one of the the conferences uh, that comprise the FBS, and uh, you'll get his predicted and projected order of finishes there. All right, Phil, let's move on, and uh, we we continue with the East Division, and we uh, take a look at Middle Tennessee. This is, uh, and and we talk about coaching, Doc Holliday entering his his eighth year uh, at the helm of Marshall. Rick Stockstill, now his 12th season, as the head coach, eight and five a year ago, went to that Hawaii Bowl that we've talked about with their their loss. Uh, the stock still name a very familiar one around around uh, the Middle Tennessee program. It's Brett, a highly productive quarterback the last couple of seasons. 
31-7, to seven, touchdown-interception ratio, 63%. Ten starts he made. Then an injury caused him to miss the final three of the regular season, Phil. He came back for that bowl game and fired for 432 yards. They averaged just a shade, Phil. I mean, this is a potent offense, just a shade under 40 points per game uh, last year. Two top receivers, uh, Richie James and Ty Lee are back. That pair teamed up with mostly Stockstill for 21 TD passes. Six starters back, Phil, both on uh, offense and defense. I don't know. Do we see Middle Tennessee uh, a legitimate challenger for the, the CUSA East Division crown? Is Rock, Rick Stockstill still the coach? He is. 12th yeah. year, man. Uh, then I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay. This guy's doing an amazing job there. As, as you mentioned, it's his 12th year. You don't get to be around 12 years unless you're doing something right. And, uh, you know, last year's offense actually set school records with 6,730 yards, as you touched on, 39.7 points per game. Uh, so this is a team that uh, two years ago was plus 109 yards per game in CUSA play. They always come to play. And uh, I think they're they're a legitimate contender. You look at that combination. Brent Stockstill, uh, the guy, you can tell he's a coach's son with the way he dissects the defenses on the field, the way he prepares, a 31 to 7 ratio. And then Richie James, a wide receiver, one of the more electric players in the entire country. Uh, James had is a dangerous punt returner. He could be a dangerous kick returner. And of course, when he's in the receiving game, they use him as a running back. They use him in the Wildcat. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's only 5'9", 178, but he's proven to be very durable and very explosive up front. They've got a guy like Chandler Brewer as their top lineman. Uh, the most concerning unit on the team, two coach stocks still heading in the season, is the offensive line, which only has two full-time starters back. Defensively, they look strong. Walter Brady up front at the one defensive end spot. Uh, is a guy that transfers in from Missouri. Now, back when Brady was on the D-line in 2015 in Missouri, uh, Coach Cool was there, and he always, uh, Coach Kulikowski, who's now with Miami of Florida, he always had a great D-line. I mean, just great players. Well, Brady started nine games in Missouri, 40 tackles, seven sacks, five-and-a-half TFL at Missouri playing against SEC teams. What's this guy going to do in CUSA? I think he could be dominant. He had to sit out last year with the transfer, but I think he's going to be one of the uh, most dominant players in the league. Then you've got a Chris Melton and Darius Harris and DJ Sanders at linebacker. The linebackers are the most proven unit of the team heading into 2017. And then uh, Ward at the uh, cornerback spot is solid as well. So it's a very talented middle team. They do have to play Western Kentucky on the road, Minnesota on the road. I mean, they play three Power 5 teams to open. Vanderbilt at Syracuse at Minnesota. They've got Western Kentucky on the road, which is going to be huge. They do get Marshall at home, but they're a legitimate contender in the East this year. Yeah, they are, Phil. And, you know, we said they uh, they won eight games a year ago, and uh, that is reflective in their uh, their win total projection from South Point, even though, as you said, those three very tough non-conference road games, they, uh, they have them at seven and a half, Phil. So uh, they're expected to stay right where they are. Um, boy, I don't know. I tell you, just because of what you laid out, I, I don't know if they win uh, – any of those first three, to be frank about it. And uh, as you said, having to go to Western Kentucky later in the year, boy, it might fall right around there. Phil, I'm really thinking seven, so because of that, I'm going to have to go under. 
Okay, fair enough. And and I'm I think the the game that determines the the, the two games that really determine whether or not they top eight are at Florida Atlantic. Uh, you know, can they win uh, that game? They beat Florida Atlantic seventy seven fifty six last year, and then the Marshall game, which they get at home. So in the home team. Six and zero all time in that series. So mm-hmm. since you picked the uh, under, I'll lean with the over. Just uh, as, you, as you touch on, they've got they've got the number priced right. There's the toss up games in there, the underdog in four, but I'll lean with the over. All right, very good. And uh, we'll we'll uh, Rick Stockstill, as we said, and his son Brent, as uh, as we pointed out, well, a quarterback uh, to watch. You know, Phil, I don't know if you talk about he's he's in his uh, he's in just in his junior year now, so we don't know if uh, yet at, at six feet tall. You know, not sure if the NFL scouts uh, are, are project him uh, there, but he's certainly certainly coach's son, as you said is a, a highly potent and productive quarterback with that offense. All right, let's swing it down, down, down as we move on here in the East Division of Conference USA. Great to have you along on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Let's, let's swing into Norfolk, Virginia, where the monarchs of Old Dominion and uh, head coach Bobby Wilder reside. Well, they racked up 10 wins. 10 wins in a Bahamas Bowl win over Eastern Michigan last year. And by the way, they had played Eastern Michigan in the regular season in both 14 and 15 and beat them in close games. Seven and one in Conference USA play last year, Phil. As a part of that 10-win campaign, the only loss was at, uh, you know, the uh, the strength of Western Kentucky. They do lose their quarterback, David Washington, who was uh, very efficient last year, but they do boast of the, your number one running backs, your number four uh, wide receivers, and your number four offensive line in Conference USA. So they've got a lot returning. They do drop down to number 91 on the experience chart side, but uh, really like Bobby Wilder as a head coach. And, boy, that 10-win season, Phil, last year just jumped off the page at everybody. I also love the confidence in Bobby Wilder. And to give you an example, last year at the media days, uh, and generally when – the general canned answer a coach gives in media days, if they're picked first, they say, I don't care where we're picked. If they're picked sixth, I don't care where we're picked. I don't even look at those stupid polls. Bobby Wilder last year was so upset that his team got picked sixth that he admonished the press. He said, you picked the sixth in the East? You don't even know what you're doing. We're going to be so much better, it's ridiculous. And boom, 10 wins. So I love yeah. a coach that's got that amount of confidence that says, boy, you guys got it dead wrong, and then goes out and proves it. And, you know, I've been talking to Coach Wilder every year since they've joined CUSA, and we go back to, uh, you know, the one year they had Taylor Haneke at the quarterback spot who ended up playing for the Vikings, and he's throwing the football all over the field, and you're thinking, Bobby Wilder is a pass-happy offense guy. He's a, you know, Mike Leach type of thing, because that's all they're doing is throwing it but you know he has let me know each year that no that is not who he is that is what he had to be that first year or two because they just didn't have the offensive lineman that competes so the only way to even out the playing field is throw the football over the field but what he's been doing is building the team way he wants it now two years ago he had the tight ends and you're thinking okay they're going to be dangerous then what happens he loses all his tight ends prior to the opening game of the season so I mean it was it was one of those factors where you had the pieces were in place and didn't happen well last year he got those tight ends back guy like melvin vaughn who's 259 pounds at tight end 
Uh, solid blocker, 10 starts last year, 233 receptions. So now they've got the size they want. They've got some big old boys in the offensive line. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a 326-pound A.J. Davis and 314-pound Tony Barnett. Their center's got good size. And then those running backs, Ray Lowry, Jeremy Cox, he wants to run the football. So despite the past happy days, that's what he had to do. Now he's getting this team to what he wants them to be. And defensively, they should have one of the better defenses in CUSA. You look at them up front with Rotimi, Toll, Fox, and then uh, Jimenez, uh, who's a, a guy that comes off the edge and can get pressure on you. You look at the secondary, Heaton, Addison, Carter, all all-conference caliber guys. Very good defense. So I'm not going to sell Bobby Wilder short. I don't want to be admonished at the next press conference. Uh, and I got I love I love the way that this guy's got confidence. I love the way he's building the team, and he's done it in a short period of time. So he's doing a great job. Yes, he is. And I like your point about the fact that he will take. He looks at his personnel and and says, "I'm going to fit this year's system to what my personnel dictate." Uh, Phil, I think the head coaches that uh, that do that are are certainly ones that you have to take a look at. When we look at the um, the win total that's projected for Old Dominion, Phil, they've got them sitting at six and a half uh, from South Point. Now, uh, North Carolina uh, at home, so they get North Carolina at home in Norfolk this year. That that you that's think Bobby Wilder thinks they might be able to win that game? I absolutely he believe he does. Yeah. <laughs> and and then he goes to Va Tech the very next week. So those are the two big ones that stand out at you as uh, they take on ACC squads and looking to make their impression in that, that, that very heavy ACC footprint down in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, Phil, I, you know, uh, at Marshall, uh, at, uh, at Florida International, at North Texas, at Middle Tennessee. Uh, they're going to have to win one of those conference road games or two. I'm going to say they can do it, and I'm going to, I'm going to old go over that uh, that six and a half and say that Bobby Wilder at least gets him to seven this year. Yeah, I would. I, I clearly think that. And you know, the one thing uh, Coach Wilder's pointed out to me many times is the Norfolk area, great recruiting base around there as well, a great place to recruit too. So he has been landing the recruiting classes, and uh, I love the way he's building the team. And, you know, last year you look at their, their schedule and, uh, you know, they, they played beyond expectations. I would imagine that last year's win total from Vegas was uh, clearly under six, probably something towards five even. Yes, and, it was. And uh, they, they, they go and get ten wins on the season. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to doubt Bobby Wilder, and I think he'll have him in contention in the East. We get, I think there's a, a lot of good teams in the East this year. It's a very talented division. I'm going to go over that total. Yeah, it is. As we're going through this, there's multiple teams that could uh, play in that Conference USA Championship game. So Phil and I both over there. You'll get uh, these kind of uh, writings all year long when you check out Phil at at uh, ESPN.com, ESPN Insider. Phil, tell us more about it, what you'll be doing uh, during the season. Yeah, very pleased to be with ESPN full-time and uh, writing for ESPN Insider. I'll be doing college and NFL for ESPN Insider. And uh, what, you, what you should do is just go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele, and that'll take you right to the Insider section. And if you go, oh, it's a pay site, I mean, guys, it's $3.33 a month for crying out loud. That's a half price of a beer at a ball game. And you get not only all my college and NFL, but you get experts around the country in the NBA, baseball, 
Uh, all sports. You'll even get other writers in both college and the NFL. All for $3.33 a month. That's, what, 10 cents a day, Michael? I mean, that's, you can't beat it. that. And and I don't follow any of the other sports, but they do have experts that follow all the other sports. You, you'll have my writings on it as well. So go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. Get your Insider subscription today. Then when I tweet out something about an article that's up there on Insider, boom, for your 10 cents a day, you'll be able to access it. And let's face it, if you saw a dime on the sidewalk, you probably wouldn't spend the effort to go bend over and pick it up. That's how cheap it is. We'll be watching for you, Phil, and uh, certainly looking for uh, all of your writings as uh, Phil laid out college football and the NFL this year as well. All right, we are uh, with one to go. And uh, many might think that this will be the uh, continued uh, big boy in the East Division, although Phil and I just said it is. There's multiple teams that uh, think that they can be in that Conference USA Championship game representing the East. Uh, The Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky, uh, what a program they've been. Former head coach Jeff Brom won 23 football games, Phil, including two bowl wins the last two years, 15 and 16. Now we know Coach Brom has moved into the Power Five, taking on the uh, the Purdue job in the Big Ten. Uh, Former uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Mike Sanford, Jr., Gets his first head coaching opportunity here. He spent the last couple of years, as we just said, with with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. He's got a second team conference USA quarterback. That's uh, of interest to Coach Sanford. Mike White returning off his sparkling 16th season for Western Kentucky. Hit 67% of his throws, threw for over 4,300 yards and a brilliant 37-7 to touchdown pick ratio. Now, Phil, last year after a 3-3 three and three start, and that included losses at Bama and to Vanderbilt, they won seven in a row, Phil Steele, by an average of 36 points per game, including a 20-point win over Memphis in the Boca Raton Bowl. Now, they only have four returning starters back on offense and six on D. Jeff Brom had him at that double-digit win pace. Uh, with what they have returning, paced by quarterback Mike White, can Mike Sanford Jr. keep them there, Phil, as well uh, for Western Kentucky? You know, I'll, I'll go back to the first year that Brom was at Western Kentucky, uh, talking to Coach Brom in depth, you know, for, for the usual hour or so that I talked to the coaches, and uh, I was very impressed. Uh, I liked the way that, uh, you know, he, he laid out the team uh, uh, and analyzed it, and boom, he had great success all three years. Same type of conversation with Coach Sanford this year. Very impressed. I, I mean, this guy's not coming. Uh, granted, he hasn't been a head coach before, but if you're Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, that's, you, you have to have done something. Same thing, Stanford's. Uh, you know, he's at Stanford, learned under some great coach, Notre Dame under Kelly. So uh, I think Sanford's going to step in and do well. That's not my concern on the team. Losing Brahm is big, but Sanford's going to be a good replacement. My biggest concern on this year's team is I know Mike White put up great stats last year, but let's face it, I could have put up some pretty good stats on to Taewon Taylor and Nicholas Norris. Those two guys both had over, uh, combined, they had over 3,000 yards receiving, over 17 yards per catch, both dynamic receivers. My 
my question would be, who is going to replace them? It's probably going to be a combination of guys like Nicarius Fant, Lucky Jackson will take over. I think White will do well. He had huge stat increase over what he did at South Florida to what he did at Western Kentucky, completely different offense. You look at him up front of the offensive line, they're solid, especially in the inside. Dennis Edwards, Miles Pate, Brandon Ray, all very solid uh, nucleus inside. And defensively, the bulk of the defense is back. Uh, Chris Johnson could be a stud up front on the defensive tackle. I don't mind defensive tackles being six foot one like Johnson is, because to me that gives them leverage. They can get under the pads of those six foot four, six foot five offensive linemen, and I think he's got the upside to do that. Uh, you look at Joe Brown in the cornerback spot, Marcus Ward at free safety, and uh, then Yagabu Iwe for the uh, weak side linebacker spot. They looked pretty solid there. I've got I've got them winning the East this year. It's going to be a tight battle with the other teams, but even losing the two receivers and even losing their head coach, we're not going to see too much of a drop-off, although we did see a Western Kentucky team that, as you pointed out, Michael, was just 3-3 three and three at one point last season. Yeah, well, well, again, but that uh, that included uh, a loss uh, uh, at Bama and at Vanderbilt. So um, you look at this football team, Phil, and and I agree with you on all fronts. I mean, now that three thousand yards, as you said, between Tawan uh, Taylor and uh, and Norris, and I think it was that yeah, thirty-one touchdowns they combined for as well. So. That's going to have to be accounted for. Uh, they, We look at them schedule-wise, Phil. They open up against Eastern Kentucky and then go to Illinois. And uh, also the other non-conference is a home game against Ball State on the road at UTEP Old Dominion. They step back. They play Vanderbilt again at Vandy and at Marshall and at Florida, Atlanta, at Florida International, uh, the final game of the regular season. So, uh, with all that in mind, uh, the over-under is, uh, is pegged at Western Kentucky this year, um, right at nine and a half. So not a lot of room for slippage there, Phil. I, you know, first-year head coach, I, I, uh, I, I'm going to have to go under that. I mean, to win 10 football games again and, and keep it where they've been, I think it's going to be difficult. Obviously, a bowl team. I don't see much under uh, under that, but uh, but I'm going to go under nine and a half. Yeah, and I understand that. And, uh, you know, I look at it, and the Illinois game on the road, frankly, I've got them favored in that game. So even okay. though Illinois is a Power 5 Big Ten team, I have them favored. You look at the Vanderbilt game. Now, I watched every play of the Vanderbilt game last year. I thought Western Kentucky was a better team. Vanderbilt was fortunate to hang in the game and then win it at the end. They uh, They had a late drive for the tying touchdown that won it in overtime. West Kentucky had a 27-19 edge, but that was at home, and Vanderbilt is a better team this year, so I do have an underdog at Vanderbilt. The Marshall game on the road would concern me. The Old Dominion game on the road would concern me. Those are two teams we've talked about I think are legitimate contenders. So to me, it is going to be tough. And I guess when you look at those factors, new head coach, and the fact you have to pick some under somewhere along the line, I I think that they end up winning the East, but uh, I'm going to – yeah, I, I personally wouldn't even play it, but I, I, if I'm going to lean one way, I, I think it is tough to get double-digit wins. Okay, so uh, we're both going to go under, although Western Kentucky will be very, very formidable. And again, if, you, if you're looking for uh, a quarterback that uh, well, may be flying under the radar that some of the uh, the NFL organizations, though, uh, have value on, that would be uh, Mike White, the senior. He's got the size, 6'4". And at 225 in the arm strength and the numbers he puts up in that offense are absolutely off the charts. So keep an eye on him when you're 
trying to impress your friends and saying, I got a quarterback for you that that's flying under the radar. Phil, that, uh, that wraps up the East division of the, uh, of conference USA. We've still got uh, the West division to go tomorrow. We want to remind all of you that all you need to do to uh, get the podcast is go to iTunes.com, iTunes.com. They're right there. They're just a, a mouse click away for you. And uh, that's, that's all you need to do. And we encourage you to do that as you're, you have your Phil Steele's college football preview in hand, and that way you're doubled down here as well. Phil, uh, Western Kentucky, you just said you, you thought that they they come out of the East, although, again, as we've laid out there, this is a year where it wouldn't surprise if multiple squads are right there with Western Kentucky with a shot to win it in late November. That's correct. Okay, very good. Uh, that'll do it then on the East Division side of things. Now, tomorrow on Tuesday, stay with us, all of you Conference USA aficionados, because we'll take you through the West Division. Phil, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then as we get ready for that uh, and uh, get set to go and finish off Conference USA. So for Phil Steele and our producer, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. We're inside uh, of three and a half weeks now to start of the college football campaign. Make sure you're right up to speed with Phil Steele's college football preview of uh, this 2017 season. For Phil and for Jim, have yourself a great college football day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Strong as Steel. So long, everyone. <laughs>